and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank, and back with another episode of The Remnant Call, and glad to have everyone here with us tonight. Um, as I announced last week, uh, this episode was going to be um, titled um, Surviving the Dark Night, but we've actually pushed that off a couple of weeks um, Pastor uh, Marty Breeden, who's going to be on here with me, uh, was not able to. He's got some things going on. And, you know, pray for Pastor Breeden. He is uh, out here trying to be a full-time police officer, protecting our streets, and he's got a heavy burden and call for ministry. He's running a church, uh, trying to minister to his flocks, ministering to people all over. And, and when you do that, you get a bullseye all over you. And the devil is trying to trying to make it hard. But Marty knows the one who you serve. But just keep him in prayer. Um, they are got a bunch going on, so we're just going to postpone it tonight. But we've got a, another great episode. And this kind of falls along the same lines and hopefully will perk your interest for the next one coming up here. And that is going to be fighting through the darkness. Fighting through the darkness. Folks, this is an important time we're living in. If you, if you uh, have not suffered anything lately, I, I don't know what's going on because it seems like everybody I know has gone through some type of tribulation, some type of hardship. Um, the good news is, is that God is not mad at us. He's not mad at us. He is, however, though, refining us. And helping us as believers to learn how to trust in him, to learn how to, to know that if we are living in his fullness, in the fullness of Christ, the fullness of Yeshua, if we're living in that fullness, that we have the confidence to go through whatever uh, comes our way. And, and, and we're going to have an exciting guest on here. I've been talking to It's going to explain that better than I ever could. And just excited. Uh, Brother David Murray uh, is probably going to be coming on here in a few weeks to explain that. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Carl Gallup's last week. And folks, I don't usually play around with much preliminaries. I like to get in the show very fast. But I just want to say, you might be asking, Frank, why are you bringing these topics up? Why do you care about, you know, the Nakash, the fallen angels and things like that? Well, folks, I'll tell you why. The reason I believe it's important is because I believe and am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the deception coming in these last days is going to be so brutal. See, sometimes we read that verse that, well, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. But then we say to each other, well, it, it's not possible. And we're, we're so haphazard in that, in that statement there. Because if you really look at the – I believe what God is saying, look, folks, you do not understand the gravity of what we are in right now and how desperate of a times this is. Because if it were possible, 
But only by the very mercies of God will you not be deceived if you are part of the very elect. This is a serious statement in the Word of God, that this is no time to be played around with. And those same deceptions, the same evil plans that happened in the days of Noah from back then are coming back full circle again. And you say, well, you know, Frank, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, just look in the movie theater. You know, the Bible talks about God, but it is also God's little g. And the fallen angels back then, they thought they were gods, okay? They, they had a, 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 in somewhat a divine element from the fact that they were, they were created by the Almighty, but they fell. Uh, they are not divine in the sense that they are God, but they, they were supernatural in, in, in that part. And, and so what's happening, if you just look at this resurgence in all the movies, what do they tell you in the Marvel and, and, and uh, the CW? You'll be a god. You will be like gods. I'm just a God. Thor. All this, they're gods, right? The saint, they're trying to prep us to accept these deceptions that are coming back. All the movies are about aliens, uh, all these things that are supernatural, because they want you to fall into the deception. That way we need to be understanding what happened in the beginning so that we can be prepared to understand that if we will focus on Christ, that is the only way that we are going to survive through these last days, because this deception is real. And it is, is nothing to be played with. And if we understand what the devil tried before, we will not be thrown off because we will know that God spoke it. He warned it in the word, and we are now trusting in him fully into these last days. Well, I got to this message that I'm going to share tonight is important because I, I don't know about you, but I, I've had some tough years. Um, I've been now for 18 years, I've been off drugs, um, sober. I've been faithful uh, to my family and my wife. I've been uh, in God's uh, care, and I was in God's care before I was saved. And, and I'll tell you, there were some years that I went through some real tough times trying to find other people that were serious about God. I don't know if you know um, what I'm talking about. I'm sure many of you do. You get to that point where you're wondering, is anybody else care like I care? Does anybody else feel the same way that I do? And we know from the Word of God that that is true. There are people. There's, and Elijah had to be reminded that there was, there was 7,000 his day that had not bowed the need to bail. But I was under a lot of stress this week having you know, work and everything else going on, wanting to prepare for the program, things getting shaken up a little bit. And, and I was just you know, trying to take a shower, get my head cleared out and everything. And I, and I began to remember how much God is, has blessed me. You know, I can remember all those years wanting to find people who were serious about God. And I want to say right now, I've got some really good friends. And if you guys are listening out there, all of you, Ronnie, um, I love you, brother. You know, Brian, um, you know, Matt, uh, excuse me, uh, Mike and Mike and John and Todd, Eli, and my, you know, you guys are amazing. And I just want all y'all to know that I love each one of you. And I just thank you for your friendship. Because I need friends at this hour, too. Just like Paul wanted to see Titus and, and, and Silas and all that stuff, during, or Timothy during, excuse me, Timothy during his day. Folks, I, I appreciate your friendship. 
And I appreciate the way you've raised your children to know God and the seriousness that you have in this hour because I, I'm thankful to have friends like that right now. And I just want to say thank you, God, for blessing me because there were years when I felt such a leanness in my own soul to reach out and find people like that. And, and, and to be blessed with a father like mine who loves the Lord so much. And then if that's not good enough, God gave me a wife that not only stuck with me, through the darkest of hours of this life and through all the hell that I put my family through. But she is in love with Jesus, and my children have surrendered and given their lives over too. And I just want to say, thank you, God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I am one of the most undeserving people, and yet you have blessed me. And when I think about the hardships I've been through, I have nothing to complain about because you have given me more than I could ever deserve. Folks, God is looking out for us, and there will be some lean years. There will be some tough times, but he will bring you through it. I know that the hard times are still going to come. There's still going to be trials. There's still going to be, there's going to be a lot of heavy stuff that's on the way, but I know that God's going to get me through, and he's going to get you through also. And so tonight, as I get into this message, folks, I want you to be encouraged. Because we have a choice in this last hour. Do we run and hide, or do we stand and fight? And you know the way we fight as believers. It's on our knees and in our prayer closets. Let's pray. Father, as this word comes forth tonight, may it be anointed by the living God, by the Spirit of the living God. May, Lord, you just pour out a double, triple portion, if you would, upon this program tonight, that it would be a blessing to others to have courage in this hour to know that God can get us through and that if we will put our trust in you, Lord, that you will keep us all the way to the end. Now, Father, anoint my lips to speak your truths, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At a meeting held in the St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia, in March of 1775, as the Revolutionary War was beginning, Delegate Henry had stood before the Second Virginia Convention, and this is what he said, folks. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary, But when shall we be stronger? Will it be next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when the British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather to strengthen by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusion delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot? It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand here we idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not 
what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Powerful words. Today, just as folks in the days of Patrick Henry, perhaps even worse, we are faced with an attack from the enemy that has not only the world in absolute confusion and disarray, but the church of God uh, to the outside world appears almost defeated. Too many as we fight and squabble and remain silent in these times of distress when we speak up about nothing, when we show rampant divorce all over the the outside world looks at us and they mock us with scorn as they see the troubles that lie within the church. Today's battle is unlike anything we have ever seen. The attacks are coming from all directions. People who have been faithful for many years are suffering untold trials. Am I speaking to somebody right now? Sickness, cancer, pain rifles the bodies of many of the believers in the church today financial burdens loss of loved ones among the uh, and loss of love among the brethren and so many are sitting here even this evening even as you're listening to this program right now worried about some problem that's going on in your life to the point where you can hardly even enjoy this program children are in rebellion suicide rates are up Confusion over gender and identity. People don't know who they are anymore. Schools are teaching our children they evolved from animals and that of this stuff happened by natural selection. In turn, there's a loss of mor- morals because there is no belief in a higher power and, and with the, no belief in a higher power, then there's no belief in deliverance from the tribulations that people face. Just when it couldn't get any worse, we have a plethora of disorders from technology addiction, pornography, social media addiction, and it is killing the body of Jesus Christ. Some of you listening right now feel so beaten down that you have lost the fight and you are almost ready to throw in the towel. So here we are. We're in 2017, October. We've had three major hurricanes that destroyed the mainland U.S. and, and absolutely flattened Puerto Rico. It's so bad down there. The, the, the actual recovery is so absolutely lost in Puerto Rico right now. I just listened to someone down there saying you don't even understand how truly bad it is. Earthquakes in Mexico killing many. We have fires going on in California to where my nephew and niece just had to run from it, for it the other day. Wars are going on all over the world. Trafficking, human trafficking is out of control. We now have uh, robots that are replacing humans as sexual partners, even so that they can be raped and now live out your fantasies no matter how dark. And this is going on day in and day out in our society. And so many people are wondering, what are we going to do? Well, my question is to each one of you listening. Are you going to flee? Are you going to fight? If you got the Word of God with you, I'd like you to turn to Second uh, Kings chapter 18 and just, just hold there for a minute. Second Kings chapter 18. The young passionate, you, know, you, you remember him, on fire for the Lord, 25-year-old. King Hezekiah had began his righteous reign in Judah. Israel was an absolute mess. The Bible said that they had sinned against the Lord, but it wasn't always so outwardly. That was so devious about it. The Bible said that they did it in secret in those days. They didn't want everyone to see what was really going on. They had set up images in high places of worship. They even took the bronze serpent of Moses that had been made in the wilderness and began to worship it. 
And here comes the king on fire for God. And he tears down the high places, one of only a few kings that did that, destroys the images people had set up and even destroyed that bronze serpent because it was causing people to stumble. Picking up in 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 5, it says this, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. He had restored worship back to the temple of God where it should have been. Things were starting to go right again in Israel after King Hezekiah had took the throne. But as we all know that good things don't always last forever, as you can remember even back to 9-11, folks, how, how quickly the churches were filled and how quickly they were emptied as soon as we forgot what had just happened. Well, six years, just six years into the reign of King Hezekiah, he saw Samaria, Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, captured by the king of Assyria. But Judah, the southern kingdom, where Hezekiah was, was safe and was doing well until 14 years into the king's reign. Let's pick up the story right there, folks, in, in uh, chapter 18, verse 13. It says, Now in the fourth year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah. And he took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me that which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 13 talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. And at that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Syria. So here Hezekiah started out righteous reign doing the right things of God, and here he comes up threatened by an enemy. Now, King Hezekiah was a great king, but he had an issue here. He was afraid of what was going to happen, and so he decided that he could try in order to appease him to give away the silver, uh, to, he would give away the silver to the king, even to the place where he would cut off the gold from the doors of the temple. Now, folks, we know that gold in the Bible represents purity because God sometimes he puts us in the fire, and the fire takes care of – it burns out that dross, the impurities in the believer. And so he took away that purity off the temple door in order to try to appease the wicked king of Assyria. Folks, you cannot take away the holy things of God in your life. And the holy things in your church you cannot sacrifice in order to appease the wicked and think it will make them fine. It's like we see in society today that we cannot give these people with these you know, abnormal behaviors more rights, the rights to do and to marry and to whatever they want and think that that will somehow make it better because now they want something more and something more and something more. And when you give away the holiness, when you give away holiness, you're opening up the doors to the temple of your heart and the enemy will come in like a rushing wind. Picking it up in chapter eight in verse eighteen, excuse me. And when they had called to the king, there came out of them Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household of Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son Asaph, the recorder. And Rabshaki said to them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is there wherein thou trustest? 
thou sayest. But they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of the bruised reed, even upon Egypt, which if a man lean, he will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, unto all that trust unto him. But they will say to me, we trust in the Lord our God. Is not that he whose high places and, and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away and hath said to Judah and Jerusalem, ye shall worship before him, this altar in Jerusalem? So here comes Rabshakeh in and he starts spewing out lies right from the pit of hell. You see, who are you going to trust in, huh? You can't trust in the Egypt and the Pharaoh. He's like a reed, you know, it's going to go right into your hands. You're going to pierce yourself. You're going to wreck your own self by trusting in him. Others have tried, and you will find the same problem out. He's of no value. You're going to trust in Hezekiah, huh? this king, who tore down your high places. See, Rabshakeh was planning. See, see Hezekiah, this, right, this righteous king, he's coming here, and now he's messed up your good worship, man. He tore down your high places. That's where you found your spiritual upliftment. And now he's saying, come down here. Folks, there's so many people today out there. It's a, you know, they, they get upset when a man of God or a woman of God comes and calls someone back to holiness because they like their way of worship of this, these high places, this liberal style of whatever goes, whatever makes you feel good, worship. And he was saying, that's the places where you got your spiritual uplifting from. Instead of worshiping at this altar in Jerusalem, at the temple where God had set up to be worshipped at. Folks, God has designed us today to worship directly in front of Him. To spend our time in our prayer closet with Him. To worship among our brethren to Him directly. Not in somewhere else, not some high place, not always just listening to programs out there on the internet, but actually worshiping the Lord directly in our lives. That's when we will find this, this newfound relation with God. But so often when someone comes in and tries to restore us back, we get so angry and hear Rabshak, he knows the way people are, and he's trying to capitalize it with these lies. In verse 28 it continues, Then Rabshak stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you to trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Syria. Folks, this is what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to tell you that your trials, the things that you're going through right now, that God is not somehow able to deliver you from the bad things that you're in right now. And you've been letting it beat you down for so long, you've forgotten. You've been listening to the wrong voice. And it continues on in verse 33, Hath of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim and Hana and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? 
Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? So they bring the word to the king, and they tell him what's going on, and he is deeply, King Hezekiah is deeply disturbed at what the words of Rabshak he's been saying here. Listen to what he says here. In, verse, in, in 2 Kings, flip over to chapter 19, verse 3 to 4. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 3. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children are come to birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So here Hezekiah, he knows the truth about God, but he's being tested right now, and he's fearful, and he's upset, and he's like, listen, he goes, I've heard what's going on, and this isn't good. It's like we're stuck in the birthing room. It's like the baby is ready to come out right now, and I don't have the strength to push anymore. I don't have the strength to finish the job. And what if God doesn't listen? What if God doesn't hear right now? What if God doesn't come through? What am I supposed to do? Folks, many people right now feel in the same way. They feel like you've, you've been through so much for so long that you don't know how to get out of it. You feel like you've been beaten down for so long that you don't know where to go. You feel that you've listened to every person out there. You've read every book, every article, and yet your prayer life can't seem to get out of the five minutes a day if you're lucky that you put into it. But praise God, folks, he's not done yet. And he wasn't done with them, with Israel back then, because the word gets all the way to the prophet Isaiah. And he sends word back when Isaiah finds out what's going on to the king to don't worry. He will cause the king of Assyria to hear a rumor and return to his own land, and he will fall by the sword. The prophet Isaiah passes that word back to the king. There's nothing to worry about, right? The prophet Isaiah just said it. Don't worry. God's got this under control. Folks, I'm trying to tell you right now that God's got this under control. There are people out there that's been trying to tell you that God's got this under control. You've read in his word that God's got it under control, yet you still feel like he doesn't. Well, you know what? The devil doesn't give up always so easy. So Rabshakeh returns and finds the king of Assyria at war and hears that the king of Ethiopia has also come up to fight and immediately sends word back to Hezekiah and listens to what he says. See, the, the king of Assyria all of a sudden sees he's got some trouble going on and he knows that Hezekiah is going to see this, but he doesn't want Hezekiah to think for a second that anything's wrong. So he sends a word back in 2 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 11, it says, Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all, the, all lands, by destroying them utterly, that thou be delivered. Have the gods of the nations delivered them, which my fathers have destroyed, as Gozen and Haran and Rezeph, and the children of Eden, which were in Thelazar, 
where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad and the king of the city of the Sepharvaim and Hannah and Iva? So here, Hezekiah, he's, he's back right where he started. He tried to pay off the king of Assyria. That wasn't good enough. He had taken the gold off the temples of the doors. That wasn't good enough. He'd heard of the word of the Lord from Isaiah that everything was going to be okay, but he was still in trouble. You can't make the wicked love you by compromising God's truth, folks. You can't remove the gold off the temples, as we talked about earlier, and think that all of a sudden the devil will just leave you alone. And so even though he had heard a word from the Lord, the devil was still coming to attack even after God said everything is under control. Have you been in that situation lately? Have you felt like that's you? You see, today the problem we're facing, folks, is so many people are trying to compromise the holiness standards by which God is asking us to live. But many of us are trying to appease the wicked and make them love us. So many churches today believe that if they can turn their churches into a great social club where people can just come and grab a cup of coffee and some donuts and kick up their feet upon the chair and hear some rock and music to appease the flesh, that it will somehow convert the unbelievers. The truth is, we have churches full of Jesus t-shirt wearing unbelievers and we call it church. We say it's relevant. We say it's missional, postmodern centers of outreach that that simply appeases the flesh and leave the believers completely empty. But this time, the king decides to do something different. King Hezekiah decides to turn back to what he knew growing up. Verse 14, And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the king of Assyria has destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they are, were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them now. Therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us of this hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. So here, Hezekiah, he'd heard a word from the Lord. He had, he had tried everything to appease him. And even after Isaiah told him these good news, here comes the king of Assyria back again. And instead of this time falling back to those unprofitable, empty wells that never got him deliverance, he did what he knew to do, and he returned back, and he took it right to the Lord. He took it to God. See, folks, there's so many times out here I'm trying to say this. I'm, I, I don't want to turn people away from my radio show. I, I want you to come to this show. But, folks, if this show should never sit in place of your time with God. 
This show cannot stand in place of the time you should be with God. And all these people and all these voices out there can end up just confusing you if you are not grounded. And many times we try to solve our problems by appeasing the wicked. One foot in and one foot out. Folks, it's time to bring both feet into the kingdom and quit dragging one of those in the world. It's time to return and take our problems back to the Lord. So here, King Hezekiah, he's just like us. He's been beaten down. He's felt like, oh God, when am I going to see this? I'm against an enemy that I cannot handle. He's in the same place that maybe you've been right now. And he takes it finally. He goes to God with a bare, honest heart of everything. And he lays it out, and God sends back a powerful word through Isaiah the prophet and sums it up by saying this. 32. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city nor shoot an arrow here, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it will come to pass, that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of Assyria a hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So many today, folks, of you and me at times also, I'm not exempt. I've gone through the same troubles. But so many people are feeling, God, where are you in this hour? You've been beaten down. You've known the truth in God's word. But for some reason, Rabshak has been screaming in your ear and telling you God can't deliver. You've tried to pray, but every time you feel an ounce of deliverance, it seems like the messenger of Satan comes back with an even more violent attack telling you God doesn't care about you anymore. If God really loved you, why haven't you had victory yet? But folks, it's lies from the devil. This is not coming from God. And it's in that moment when the truth of God that you have known, many of you since you were children, and that word comes from the Lord that says God will fight for you, He will protect you, He has not forgotten you, and He has not left you, just like Kiah, it's time to fight. I want to read verse 33 and 34 again. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant's sake, for my servant David's sake. God is saying, I am going to fight for this city. Folks, I have gotten a lot of emails from you all, and I want to tell you right now, I treasure the letters that you have sent me and the emails and for those you have asked me to pray. And I want to say I am honored to be able to stand with you and pray through these tough times. 
And I've heard some great testimonies. And I know some of you are still struggling, but I want to tell you that God is ready to fight for you in this hour. See, when we get in tune with God and in His Word, and the words of the Most High begin to ring through our minds and our bodies, you know, and when you start to get in harmony with what God wants us to do, and we start to, to live the way that God wants us to live, and, and folks, I know, you're saying, I'm not talking about salvation here, but God is calling us to holy living. And when we begin to live as God wants us to live, for those of you who have been struggling to stay on that straight path, it's then that God says, I will go before you and make the crooked path straight. I will break in pieces the gates of the bronze and cut the bars of the iron, as he said in the book of Isaiah. For you shall not go out with haste, nor by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Therefore, understand today the Lord your God is he who goes before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Some of you this morning have been struggling with, or this, excuse me, this evening, have been struggling with illness and disease, and you feel like there's turmoil all around you, and God's saying today, don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, they shall, shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. The Lord will fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. God is saying now, He is ready to fight. For some of you, your work has been trashing you, tearing you up, messing with you constantly. You hardly can stand the people you work with. Everything's going crazy. People are attacking you for your faith sometimes. They, they want to mess with you. It's like the more you try to serve God, the more harassment you get. And you're wondering, is God delivering? And the Lord says in Isaiah, says, For I will contend with those who contend with you. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to, the, to his king and exalt the horns of the anointed. God is calling us to fight, folks. He's calling us to make war on our knees, to understand that He is going into the battle with us. Those that have begun contending with you, God is going to contend with them. If you're waiting on someone else to win this battle, folks, you got something else coming. It is time for us to join with the Lord right now on our knees and know that He is fighting for us. It's not your pastor. It's not a friend. It's not someone else. Yes, they may go run great intercession, and they may pray you through this, but it is your job as a believer to join with God hand in hand, knowing that he can get you through this tough time that you're in, no matter how big this trial is that is bringing you down. God has called us for a time as this, not to be defeated, but to fight the good fight. God is calling us to get in there and to war with Him. He is ready to do battle, and are you willing to draw, draw your sword and fight with Him on your knees through the Word of God? In 2011, folks, I was uh, 
I'd had a hard, hard year. I think I shared part of this before. But in 2011, I lost my favorite pastor that year, ever. This man was a mentor. Um, He had more grace than hardly anybody I've ever met before. Pastor Clark was one in a million. And he passed away. A month later, his wife passed away. She had had cancer but didn't tell him so that she could stand strong for her husband as he went through his battle. I, that kind of love is unheard of in this day. Then my mentor passed away. The man who taught me about missionary work. The man who taught me that I could step out of my comfort zone and go over into the mountains of Africa and take the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ to hungry believers. Then I got word that my grandfather died. I loved him so much. And then my favorite aunt passed away. And then when it couldn't get any worse, my wife had a miscarriage and we lost a baby. And I'll tell you what, folks, it got pretty low that year. I got pretty down in the dumps. But I didn't give up because I knew God hadn't given up on me. And even though I didn't understand, I remember praying that God would bring that baby up in the resurrection. Well, God called me to a church that year to preach. I went down to preach in this church. It was about four hours roughly away from where I live. little tiny town down in southern Virginia. And I shared the testimony of my conversion. And I remember my wife was there with me in that. And it was a very difficult, more difficult than normal testimony because my wife was there. She's not always there or not very often when I do my story because it's so painful. But she was there and, and my wife was, and I were, we were both crying because we saw the pain in each other's face and we were hurting. And I remember I looked back in this audience there and I saw this lady on the back row and she was crying uncontrollably. Not just normal over, you know, taken by emotion. I'm talking, she was really crying hard. And I shared how that I you know, tried all these things. If you'd heard my story of the prodigal son, you know about I'd tried all these things and tried going to even Christian school for one year to get me straightened out, but it didn't work. And I shared that I went to this Christian school. It was actually a boarding academy. Afterwards, we went to the back, and my wife and I were standing there, but this lady, she wasn't coming out of the church. So finally she got up and she came out. Well, actually, her husband came first, and he said, hey, she'll be out in a minute. So she came out, and she handed me this letter. And she said, I want you to read this letter and then show it to your wife. 
I guess I should probably take a picture of this and put it on the website, but it's here. I'm reading it right out of the front of my Bible where it's, it's taped. It says this, Dear Frank, I was there at that school when you were. I know exactly which house you went to. See, I had been sharing my story how we would sneak out at night and go across the street of this where this school was at, and we would smoke dope in this house and everything. And so she's saying, I know with the house that you were going to. She said, because I was across the street in the girls' dorm watching that house. I noticed every time that the light in the upper room would change colors. I remember seeing you and some of the other boys going into that house, and I would pray every time I saw you go over there. You see, I knew the people who rented that house. My aunt lived next door. Through the years, I've been back to that school many times, and I would remember what happened, and I would pray for you every time. Every time I would look at that house, I saw, then I'd see, I would I would pray for you, and today I saw those prayers have been answered. I didn't even know who she was. And God sent me back over 20-some years later to show her that he had answered prayers. She had been interceding for me for all those years and I didn't even know her. And I look back at all the problems I've had and the things I've suffered and here God had people standing in the gap for me and I didn't even know it. Folks, there's some of you that feel so far, so alone and so gone but you have no idea who's been praying over you. You may never even know till one day when you're in the kingdom. And you feel like now you're at such a low, and God's saying, don't give up yet. I'm here to fight for you. Folks, I want to encourage you. Whatever you've been suffering, whatever it is that you think that God can't deliver you from, I got news, He can. He can. He promised to never give you more than you can handle. He promised to be with you all along the way. And just remember, folks, the the hotter that furnace gets and the more the enemy mocks you, the more you stand on God's promises, don't worry, folks, they will see there is someone else standing in that furnace with you. And he looks just like the Son of God. Keep looking up, folks. We are living in perilous times. This is the hour for which God has called us to be standing firm in the faith. Folks, I want to encourage you, if you want to email me, please email me. Remnantcall at outlook.com or franked uh, remnantcall.com and I'll be glad to pray with you But I would encourage you that you can do it. With God's grace, he can get you through this. Now, folks, I had mentioned tonight in this program that I wanted to share a dream from my good friend, uh, Marty Breeden, of something that the Lord showed him just recently. 
because I feel that uh, the hour that we live in right now is demanding for us to wake up. And God has been so gracious and so merciful to warn his people. And, and I tell you, there's people like Marty and others out there that God has been speaking to to try to wake up and say, listen, the hour that we are living in, this is no longer time to mess around. We must be about our Father's business. Folks, let me tell you this right now, that if you knew that missiles were taking off tomorrow to annihilate this country, I promise you, the problems that you've been dealing with would become nothing. They would become nothing. Because God, all of a sudden, your life would be coming into perspective in about just a couple of minutes. Well, the other day, October the 7th, Marty had a dream. And this is what he said. Last night I had a dream where I saw war. Even though I saw mass casualties, I could tell that this was no ordinary war. The scene of this dream seemed to truly be other dimensional. I saw the wounded, the infirm, and the weak, and the lame, even those who were still in the fight yet trying to protect others still. I recognize some of these people are first responders. Being in law enforcement myself, I realize that there are also first responders in the spirit as well. As I saw the fight ensue, there were weaponry I had never seen before. The attacks would come from land and sea and air. I think this is being felt today by so many and seemingly out of nowhere. I saw some who were wounded. They were no longer in the battle. They had been hurt so bad that not only were they out of the fight themselves, but they were also bitter with those who were still in the fight. Even as I would enter some of these rooms to visit, I would see these soldiers angry and mad, and they would throw anything they could get their hands on at those who were trying to serve them. I believe this to be the current state of many in the body of Christ. I saw that even those who were battle-hardened, being attacked with great fury, these first responders would stay in the fight, even denying their own personal pain in an attempt to help others. As the battle intensified, I wondered at one point if any could possibly survive. I would see an exchange and rotation of troops. I saw both good and evil. I saw certain areas that would be won for a while, and I would see the area cleansed. Then I would see the opposition come yet again to try to retake that which they had lost. It was as if they were, there was no break in the action where one would, had seemingly conquered an area. Reinforcements were sent to disrupt to make certain that the area was still being fought for by constant pressure being applied. This is why the Bible tells us we wrestle with our enemies because it's the one form of combat where you never take your hands off your opponent. There was palatable sense that we were to stay engaged in the struggle because we knew that at some point very soon our commander was going to arrive on the scene and all the armies would bow at the sight of him. Personally, I could feel my own flesh failing as I began to get weakened. I recall falling back to the hope that was within my heart that regardless of the current state that I was in, that I was going to eventually experience eternal victory and that for such a time as this, I was called to be 
called of God to fight. I remember distinctly having this sense that I was not responsible for the outcome, but I was responsible for that which I was given by my commander to hold until he came. Folks, God calling us to fight. There is war coming in this nation. There are bad things coming in this world, and God is calling us to fight. But not with guns and with knives, but on our knees, in our prayer closets, alone with Him. My good friend Todd, who used to co-host a lot here, but he's had to work. The other day, I know Todd told me, he said, man, I'm going on a, a fast, a long-term fast. And he said, I don't even know why. I just want to hear from God. My heart breaks when I hear that because I'm so thankful. When a man like that feels a call from God, he doesn't always have a special reason, but he just wants to hear from the Lord so bad that he's willing to do whatever it takes to hear the voice of the living God. Folks, it's time to get back to war on our knees in this battle. Time is short, and God is calling forth his remnant. Folks, this is Brother Frank just saying, please, don't give up. God will come and rescue. I have been through so many things. My family has been through so many things, and we are still here today by the mercy of the living God. There are some of you who have been through divorce. You've been through uh, whatever it may be. Maybe you've, you've had abortions that you've carried the guilt around. Maybe you've lived in illicit relationships. I'm telling you, there's healing and forgiveness for all of that if you'll trust in God. No matter what your past has been, no matter how many times you have messed up, if you will cry out tonight and you will surrender to Him, God will come back. He's been there waiting the whole time. He's asking, will you open the door and let him in again? And if you do, he's coming to minister. He's coming to minister. Folks, keep fighting. Keep in the battle. This is the hour that we all knew was coming. This is Brother Frank with the remnant call, saying to all my friends and all my listeners out there, all God's listeners, good night and shalom. For the Lord God.